Wow, that song gave me goosebumps, man. OPBC Online, a ministry of Old Paths Baptist Church, Northfield, Minnesota. And today I am somewhere south of there in my concrete compound here, surrounded by books all over the place and lights and cameras and everything else. And here with you at 2.06 p.m. Central Time. And... uh we are live here, and I hope you're having a good day. And, you know, I I wanted to, I was looking at some old videos last night. And uh, some street preaching videos. And I thought, you know, it's been a while since I've really broke down some of these evangelistic uh meetings these these uh these one-on-one interviews these times and really I don't remember when I've done it I'm sure I have but in some of these and I've got a number of them I think it's profitable to take some time and to teach you how to evangelize and how we do what we do and why we do what we do and the way that we do it in preaching God's word so I'm going to say hi to everybody here. And uh, let's see. First, uh, the shortest, but the first, Becca. And then Teresa. And then Carl Winters. And then Mika. Mika! Okay. And then 77, Joey Max, 77, Yo, Yo, Joe. Over there in... Ireland, not to be confused with Ross Duncan, it's Scotland! People are more refined in, in, in England, but when you get in Scotland, you just have to go, Scotland! It's, they're just, the, they're, the, they're the English hillbillies. Scotland, the European hillbillies. But <laughs> to yell all the time. <laughs> At least Ross does anyway. Remember when I was there, one of those guys was like, maybe I should, he was talking about me, and he goes, maybe I should turn him down. And Ross looks at him and goes, don't turn him down. Carl goes, man, I can hear you three blocks away. I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> anyway. Oh, meanwhile, back in Scotland. Okay. Shell is on here. Let's see. Somebody named P. Mouser Rosu. P. Mouser Rosu. That's a weird name. I don't know what that is. Anyway, uh, you didn't eat my lunch. If you ate my lunch, you'd be in trouble. I'd get, if you eat my lunch, I'll give you a Smurf nose. That's what I'll do to you. You ever had a Smurf nose? I think I'm going to give one to Micah. He needs a Smurf nose. Zell 89. Marshall Mama. Rachel has headaches. She's happy to visit the Cairo. Okay, Gregory Pace. 
Ross Duncan. Player Duncan. The whole Duncan plan! Okay. Um. Jacob. I fit right in amongst a bunch of hillbillies. That's right. Absolutely. Someday, Lord willing, I'll make me way back to Scotland. And then I'll go over to England and be very refined. I was the loudest guy in England. I swear, everywhere I went, loudest guy in England. Everywhere. Everywhere I walked, loudest guy in England. Oh, there he is at a restaurant. Loudest guy. I didn't need no amp because everybody was so loud or so quiet in England. I just got up and preached and they could hear me for blocks. I was the loudest guy in England. Ever ask Carl, everywhere I went, loudest guy in England. Who's that loudmouth American? <laughs> there he is. Loudmouth American. Let's be loud guy. Loudmouth. I like Europe. I liked it there. Rome, eh, not so much. Not so much. Not so much. Yeah, you mean when you burped in that lady's face? That poor English lady? You walked by her, but Here's Carl, he walks by her, but Excuse me. She's like, oh my, oh my. I'm like, yeah, he's a pig. <laughs> he was the loudest belcher. Walks right by that poor English lady, but <laughs> oh my. Poor, poor Mary's looking over at me. I can't take him anywhere. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> just her face when she walked away from him was just absolutely classic. I mean, she's like, oh, boy. Just a big sweaty pants just belched all over me. Oh, boy.
Yeah. I was pretty, I was, I was, I was pretty loud in England though. I, I was there. They're all reserved and quiet. And I'm like, Hey, what's going on? I'm standing in a museum looking around and they're like, and we marched and we marched and those dirty rebels, we marched and we marched and those dirty rebels, they hid behind the bushes and shot us. Those dirty rebels. And I'm like, what'd you guys do that for? I'm looking at Harry. That was stupid. <laughs> Harry's looking over at me. But it was kind of funny because Harry's like, I'm not going to. St uh, how, did, how did he say it? It's gone. Those blokes are bad there. That's what he said to me. There's some bad blokes there. He wasn't going to Scotland, man. He was staying away from Scotland. I thought it was funny, man. So I'm going everywhere, and I'm looking around at every place. I'm like, Ross takes me to the grocery store, and I'm walking around the grocery store. I'm like, this place is weird. Place is weird. I told Harry that's why we won. Why we won, Harry? They were, it's why we won. Oh, I have so much footage. You do. You guys eat Englishmen for breakfast. Those re that's part of your Scottish breakfast. Fine English breakfast. No, no, no. They're from Scotland. They eat Englishmen. I'm telling you, that's what they did. So I get up there and I, I, I'm fine with it. I'm like, I'll go to Scotland. What are you kidding me? I'll go walk up in Scotland right there. I, absolutely. You just ain't getting me to wear that skirt they wear. I ain't doing that. Pulling on those bagpipes and. Blowing on those bagpipes and. Uh, I was, Carl was right next to me, and I was laughing my head off at him. I did remind him of that constantly, didn't I? <laughs> then the people that were all, all shaming, they were like, I was in that, I was in that uh, museum, and I was like, this is a nice museum. And she goes, but it should be. We stole everything. Some English lady. <laughs> All white shame in her heritage completely. <laughs> oh, that was funny, man.
That's right. We dump that tea. I do like England, though. I I do. I liked England, Scotland. I needed to see more of Ireland. Someday, Lord willing, I may return. But this time, I'm bringing my wife with me. But I want to go back. I want to plant churches all over Europe, if you really want to know the truth about it. I want to go to the deadest part of Europe, get a young man... Our church to have a young man, a young couple, maybe two of them, and set them in the deadest part of Europe and be like, let's plant a church right there. Why? Because we did it by the grace of God right here in dead old Minnesota, right here, right in Northfield, Minnesota, deadest, most liberal, disgusting place you'll ever go. And God put us right up front, right there. And I want to do the same thing in old dead Europe. You better believe I want to. Right in the dead part of it. Why? I don't know. It just it's just something that I think that was that trip was a beginning for me. And I was like, I can't, I won't go into anything else right now. I just won't even talk about it. But anyway. I want to go. And plant a church, plant church. I want to see us plant churches in those areas that are not third world countries, but can eventually reach Europe right there. I mean, dead ones, dead ones where they're mad and they hate us. I want to plant one right smack dab there, man. In those places. Better believe it, man. I want to, man. Turn them upside down, brother. Oh, England, Scotland, Ireland. They'd be like, who is this crazy American with this band of merry men coming over here to plant churches? That's that's what I think God is building. With our young people here as they're raised for the Lord. Raised up, they marry, they got the foundation of the family strong. And I think in my old age, older age, I think I'm going to be traveling. That's what I think. I think I'm gonna, my wife and I are going to be going to these churches and others, and we are going to be strengthening the brethren all over the place. That's what I think is going to happen. And I want to go to these third, because everybody wants to go to third world countries. I want to go to first world ones, like right here. And it's not because I'm scared to go to third world countries. It's because they the, the, the first world countries like Europe, uh, Ireland, England, all of them, uh, I said, yeah, Ireland, England, Scotland, they all, they have money more than these poor countries and people are ditching these first world countries because these sinners are hard. 
No, we need churches in those places so they can support third world nations. You better believe it, Pastor Jeffrey, and you're going to be a part of it, brother, because I'm coming to Canada. Woo! Yeah! You better believe it, man. Praise the Lord. Pray we get everything right and 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 settle with the paperwork and the Lord provides all that because I'm going to Canada. Old dead Canada. There's a light burning in old dead Canada over there near Toronto, Pastor Jeffrey's church. And we're going to go there and encourage him. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to see what God's going to do with that. Because I don't want to be the only church doing that. I want a church of like faith and practice that wants to help us along the way that we can work together. Better believe it, man. Be something, won't it? Because we're raising an army up right now of young people. We're raising an army. Children all over the place. Hey, it's evangelism. It's it's witnessing Wednesday, so I can talk about this. Am I boring you because I haven't got into that content yet? Because I what I'm sharing you with you is is the vision and the direction. That's what I'm sharing with you right now. And it's scary. It's downright scary. Why? Well, I don't really like travel that much. <laughs> I like being home, man. I'm a homebody. But you know something? We need churches. We need young people raised up. We need old people out there that are going to support them. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to see what God's going to do with all this. There's something. God's doing something with all this. I know it. I know it. Com- combining the internet and the gospel reach of the internet, combining that with, with um, all those things. We, we have to be together. We have to be. You hear me? That? I said together. Together with me mutter. You heard that, didn't you? Right. So. We're raising them up. God's preparing them. We're going to raise them up. We're going to train them up. See them get married. See them follow the Lord. And start working. There ain't enough of us out there. We got to get moving. Time is dark. The times are dark. Man, I preached a a sermon a long time ago. Every single person almost in that room besides my family turned their back on me. I preached a message called Dark World Rising. Only the eyes of faith can see. So anyway, we are going to do, we're going to see what God's going to do. And God may use you folks all over the place to help support that. He did last year. He did the year before. The year before, two years ago, you all supported so this studio could be built. That was the funds that were supported to build this studio. 
Then last year, you sent us over to Europe. This year, Lord willing, you're going to help us to go to Canada. And by the way, yes, we are still working on the documentary. Yes, we are still working on all of those fun things. We are going to do more documentary work when we get to Canada. Lots more. So we uh, we definitely got a lot going on and and a lot more coming. So we're going to see what God does and prepare ourselves. Our children could be scattered all over the world. Right? So, we will continue on and see what God is going to do with everything. Amen. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot to do that. Andrew reminded me. That when I do monologues, I should go full screen. That way you can see me easier instead of looking at a little box. So anyway, you pray for us about all that. Pray about our trip. Pray about uh, all of the finances and all the other things that we have. We are looking at in the future with everything, all the needs to be met, all those things. Okay, you pray for that. You want to give to that? This is how you do it. PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay. If you want to just support our ministry, period, maybe not something special, something out of the out of that, but just supporting our ministry. Because of us preaching the gospel and going out into all the world and and uh everything like that. Um then please by all means uh do that there there's uh three different ways you can do that and anyway if you contact us if you need to figure it out but anyway we appreciate it we really do all right you know what we're gonna do now we're gonna get started uh and we're gonna start with preacher is it is god okay with me stealing i'm hungry this was a really good interaction i'm gonna turn this volume up on this just to make sure it's loud enough um, I don't know how loud it is. If it's too loud, you let me know and I can back it off a little bit, okay? But, um, Andrew's going to get me a little button so I can switch over. I appreciate that, Pastor Jeffrey. Thank you. I do appreciate that. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. Okay, now let's get into some evangelism. You know, not every evangelistic encounter goes like this. Oh, 
What I really need to do is Where take is biblical advice from a dude out? dressed like a hot dog. I'm going to put this on a video, the gospel according to Oscar Mayer Oscar Mayer Wiener, not all of them actually go that way. I will say this, post-COVID, things have gotten hard to have good conversations with people. It's been difficult. People are so angry. They are so livid and they are so on edge, okay? But I want to show you this encounter and I want to show you from the scriptures. Really, this is very instructive, and this is how a lot of one-on-one, when people aren't belligerent and they'll have a conversation with you, this is really how it should go, uh, you know, if the Lord allows and if they'll listen and they'll pay attention. But you'll notice some key things here. What if a man is hungry and, and he still something to feed himself? I know that's wrong, too, but... But what about it? That's what I'm asking. What are you is it wrong? You're you supposed to go hungry? No, you're not supposed to go hungry. I mean, I know you're not supposed to steal either, but right. if you're hungry and you see a piece of bread somewhere, right? And, and That's still a sin. Okay. It's still wrong. That doesn't yeah. just because you're hungry doesn't mean it's okay to steal. No, no. But you know what? It's still a sin, and you've broken God's righteous command. Yeah, yeah. I want you to notice something. What I did here with him, I took him back to God's righteous commands. He's trying to give an emotional plea for sin. Okay, and what I'm doing with this is taking him back to the law of God. When you deal with sinners, you've got to take them back to the law of God because mankind will try to justify themselves before God. Fallen nature tries to justify itself before God. And when you break God's righteous law, there's a punishment for that. Now, in the, in God's law, there was a there what was if a you're way. Hungry, but what if you're hungry, like I am right now? I'm right. hungry to death. I'm right. ready to go right there in, in in that Target and steal me some bologna to, to to feed myself. There's nowhere you can go to get any food. I'm sure there is. I'm, I'm see so. What he's saying right here with this, if you'll notice it, again, you heard me take it back to God's righteous law. The authority that we have is the Bible. It is God's holy word. That's the authority, the scriptures. God's law, God's law is unbending. You won't change who God is because you're a sinner. 
But see what I mean? There's there's never a reason to do. There's never a right reason to do wrong. You know what I mean? I understand that, kid. But but you're hungry. Yes, sir. Right. I understand. And I understand. And hey. I understand what you're saying. You know, thou did not steal. I understand that too. You know, you know what? But it's not. It's not what I'm saying. The authority is God's word. God's word says thou shalt not steal. Right? It's not my opinion. It's the unbending righteousness of God. What? You know what? I'd rather take you in that store and buy you some food right now if you're hungry for you not to steal. Right now. That's right. Uh, brother, um, brother Ross, men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. That's right. And you'll notice what I offered him. I said, I would rather go in the store and I'll buy you some food before I want you to steal. Why is that? Well, because I also believe in the kindness of God. Right? So I wanted him, I wanted him to know that that God is compassionate to send somebody to you that cares for you. I'd rather go buy you something right now. If you're hungry, I'll go buy you some food right now and there See, to eat. Listen, I'm not kidding. I, I even got a list of what but what I wanted to get. I wanted to get salad dressing, juice, milk, and things like that. What are you gonna do with salad dressing if you ain't got no salad with it? I got salad home. But you don't have any of those things to buy. But no, I'll go to I'll go to uh, take it. But see, now listen, you just told me though you have food at home though. So yeah, you don't have to steal. But none of the stuff that I need to Right. See, he just admitted that he has food at home. He's not starving. See, man always wants to make an excuse for his sin. Man always wants to make an excuse. We always want to make an excuse for our sin. And you can't, when you're dealing with people in evangelism, you can't, you can be compassionate, but you can't give them an excuse and make it okay for them to sin. Because God does not make it okay for them to sin. To put on the salad. Right. But, no nothing to drink, you know. Right. But see, here's the thing, though. You don't need it. You want it because you have something to survive right now. With grass. Right? Grass. That's all you have is salad at home? Yeah. Okay. You want me to eat grass? Come on, preacher. You want me to eat grass? He's a hard man. You want me to eat grass? But still, it's, it's still a sin against God to steal. I understand that, cousin. I really do. But, but I'm saying, well, I'm just going to eat the grass with, with nothing on it. You know what I'm saying? I understand. I sat right there for the last 10, 15 minutes listening to you. Right. And I said, well, let me go ask him this question. See, so he's listening. You know how all these people tell you, these people ain't listening. Nobody's. I'm going to show you a charismatic video. Right? I'm going to show you a video after this, a charismatic video, when I dealt with a charismatic man that was telling us we were doing it wrong. Nobody's listening to you. Guess what? You don't know who's listening to you. Because this guy sat over there 
for a long time listening. What's happening? His heart is being affected. His conscience is being afflicted. His conscience. God is using the deputy of his soul. His conscience. God is using that to afflict him and make him think through the preached word of God. God's means to reach sinners. He chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It is the foolishness of preaching. People say it's not working. You don't know what God is doing with people. This man was brave enough to walk up and ask me. Others just take a track. This guy is listening. Right, it's still a sin, and for that sin, the Bible says you deserve to go to hell. Okay, see that now? What did I take it back to? God's righteous law. That's a sin. And for your sin, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, death. It's death. That's 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 the payment for sin. And he has to understand that. All men have to come to that place of understanding that they are lost and dead in sins. And this man That's right, brother Ross. If nobody was listening, there'd be no complaining. Oh. Just like I do Pat, for my you, sin. What I've committed against if God. Do you see what I mean? But you, come on over here so I can talk. By the way, I want you to notice also, Grandpa Cooley. Grandpa Cooley, who just celebrated his 80th birthday this week, last week. Celebrated his 80th birthday. Grandpa's up there preaching. This was years ago, this one was. But Grandpa's up there preaching. The preaching is still going. The men that are on the side are there to answer questions. The men that are tracting, the men that are standing on the side, they are there to answer questions. They are there to have biblical discussions. So the preacher doesn't stop preaching. This is the difference in a rogue bunch of men or a man or two that goes out by themselves Lone rangers that go out by themselves and just preach away with no order, no structure, and nothing else. This is a church conducting evangelism, obeying the Great Commission in an orderly fashion. Right? That's the difference. All, let all things be done decently and in order. We're out there talking to sinners, grandpa is still preaching. Why? Because grandpa, look, the preaching is what drew him in. Don't stop the preaching. We got to keep the preaching going while we're having conversations on the side with people, de-escalating situations that arise. Now, sometimes we all fail at that and we get 
heated and we get excited. That happens to every single preacher out there. All of us. But our goal is to de-escalate, to diffuse, and to teach them one-on-one. See, here's the thing. Even though, even though you, even though you steal, uh, because you have a need, uh, you're still guilty. Okay. The point right now is not the fact that you're hungry. The point is where are you going to spend eternity? Okay. Now, do you see this? He's talking about what he wants to think about. Is I'm hungry, so my situational ethics comes to play, and I'm stealing. What I'm getting back to is, no, you're stealing and desiring to steal because of your fallen nature, because you're a sinner, and you are in danger of hellfire because you are a lost sinner, because you are guilty before God. Your need of the hour is to be born again. Sinners... Sinners do, sinners sin as a career. That's what they do. It is their nature. So, lost people sin as a career. It's their practice. They practice, plot, and plan their sin. Born-again believers who are walking in the Spirit of God, when they sin, generally speaking, they are caught up. They are cornered. And they give in. It's not better. It's sin. It's wicked. But they don't practice, plot, plan methodically to sin and to live in it. They don't plan deceit and wickedness. They may say something deceitful. They may lie. They may do that. But generally speaking, it is because they get caught up in something, cornered in something, and they give in to the flesh. That's the difference. You understand? That's the difference in a saved person and a lost person. Right? This man has to understand that it's eternity that's the problem, that's your need of the hour. You're in trouble with God. It's eternity. That's understandable. Is your sin forgiven? Yeah, for for taking something to eat, uh, God wouldn't forgive me. I didn't say he wouldn't forgive you. But see, you have to... You have to have a desire to turn from that sin, okay? You have to have a desire not to want to steal, okay? And not to want to do evil. And go hungry, kid. I mean... Well, you're not going hungry. You have something at home, okay? But would you, if you had faith in God, though, and trust God, you could ask somebody to help you. Nobody you would go steal. No, nobody would help out here. This, this Minnesota is a rough state. Well, it is. Well, he ain't lying about that. It is a rough place. <laughs> he ain't lying. But people will help you the rough state i'll admit to you but see here's the point okay the point is not whether you're stealing because you have a need the point is is that it's still a sin against god yes sir okay okay see that's what you have to always come back to it's not the point is not the need 
The point is that you're sinning. Andrea, we charge double for being late. So that that takes it up to $39.99. Or actually, sorry, $39.98. $39.98. Okay. Instead of $19.99, $39.98. All right. Uh, so for that sin, you deserve to go to hell. Oh, but that's not the only that. I know that's not I know that but see God has a right. He goes, Don't say that. Because, see, in his mind, he's like, well, I'm hungry, so God's going to throw me in hell because you're hungry? Because I'm hungry? No. No. You're a sinner, and you love your sin. Right? That's why. You're a sinner, and you love your sin. That's why you're going to hell. That's right. Four easy installments of $9.99 each. Right. Righteous law. Okay. Oh, that hurts. I, a lot hurts, but that's not the only sin you've committed in your life. Have you ever lied? Yes. Okay, okay watch. Now, here's, here's what I want you to hear, okay? Here's, here's where I begin to, let me just back up five seconds here, okay? Now I begin to say, well, let's be honest. You being hungry and wanting to go steal food because you're hungry is not the only sin you've committed. What are we taking it back to? The law, a schoolmaster to bring men to Christ. No, that's not. I know that. But see, God has a righteous law. Okay? Oh, that hurts. I, a lot hurts, but that's not the only sin you've committed in your life. Have you ever lied? Yes. Okay? Well, so have I. Okay? So that, that means that you're guilty of... The Bible says, if you lie, you're a liar, right? Right? Yes. Okay? Okay? So have you... And you, you've already admitted that you've stole probably before, right? Yes. Okay? So you've stole and you've lied. everything but taken a life. Okay. All right, so you, and in your heart, have you ever been angry with somebody so bad you'd like to kill them, but you didn't? Yes. Okay, so then the Bible says if you've done it in your heart. You know what? This guy is honest, isn't he? He's being honest. He's being honest, and he says, you know what? Yeah. I've lied, and I'm a liar. I've stolen, and I'm a thief. He said, the only thing I haven't done is taken somebody's life. And I said, what did I take him back to? The law of God. What did Jesus say in Matthew? Let's look at that. It, oh, man. I got to, let me use it. I got to have Andrew uninstall that. Uh, um, that app. Let's see. Okay, let's see here. Okay, uh, Matthew 5.21. Matthew 5.21. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall, be, shall kill shall be in danger of the council. 
But I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. Whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. You know, if you have hate uh, in your heart, right, then you're guilty already because you, you, you already hate, right? You already have anger in your heart. So bad you'd like to kill him, but you didn't. We got this. Yes. Okay. So then the Bible says if you've done it in your heart, you're guilty of it already. Now that doesn't mean that you've done it physically, but but, but your thoughts are there, and God sees your thoughts. Okay. And 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 He pleads you guilty already just for thinking that. Sure. Because the thoughts of foolishness is sin. The Bible says. But you haven't done it. Right. So that doesn't. Now listen. Doesn't carry. So you got to explain. I explain it to him. The way God views that. And the way you have to explain to others is that all of these sins, just like the Bible says, um, I'm going to attempt to do this. this I got to reinstall this app. It is annoying me. I got to have Andrew do it and just uh, do some tweaking here uh, for that. Um, I I'm I'm used to doing this real fast. Okay, Matthew five twenty-eight. Ah. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So he is already guilty in his heart. So if you if you hate someone in your heart, you're guilty of murder already. Now what you explain to people is that means that that qualifies you for hell. Because you have a fallen nature. And that sin qualifies you for hell. Because you're a sinner and you're guilty. No, it doesn't carry the same judgment uh, on earth as if you killed somebody. But in God's eyes, that's what he said to the Pharisees. They said, well, we haven't killed anybody. We haven't committed adultery. But Jesus said, but have you looked on a woman to lust after her? Then you're guilty already because the law is to deal with the heart. Why? Because you notice, what am I doing? I'm going to show you what I'm doing to this man. Let's see.
Hey, great. Here we go. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder of soul and spirit. I'm taking the sword and cutting, pricking. You preach the word, and this is what happens. Piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When Jesus preached to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 5, he was preaching to the heart. He said, outwardly you obey all these things, but inwardly. Have you been changed supernaturally by the Spirit of God? Because, see, they pretended like they weren't fornicators and all these other things, but they actually were. It says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God's word preached lays you naked and open before him. Guilty. No way around it. Because even if you haven't done it there, you've done it in your heart. That's why every man needs to be born again. Every woman needs to be born again. They have to be saved by the grace of God. And the Bible shows that. The sword, the word of God is quick. It means alive and powerful and sharper. It, it's sharper. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let me tell you something. And by the way, that's just not for salvation. That's for your sanctification all your life. God's word preached and God's word in devotion and God's word meditated upon causes us to look at every motive of our hearts. We're challenged. We're challenged, and our the thoughts and intents of our hearts are challenged before God. And then we come to a place that's like, okay, Lord, have you ever had God do that to you? Have you ever had the Word of God preach to you or examine you, and you say, Lord, is my intent wrong here? Is my motive wrong here? Is that, is, am I wrong here? There is a time for healthy introspection, but you need to be careful that you don't do too much because then you can become morbid very quickly. But you know something? There are times when the word of God, that double-edged sword, that two-edged sword is used to examine us. You say, you know what, Lord? I, I, I don't like my motive here. Man, there's things in my life that God God showed me to get rid of. And I'm not talking about watching dirty movies or watching Hollywood. No, I'm talking about me and my character. 
me as a person, as a pastor, as a Christian, as a husband, as a father. It's like God's showing me, you know what? I need to ditch this. God showed me things about my character. By the way, there's things in the most deepest trials of betrayal that I've went through, and I've went through some bad ones. I have had sons in the ministry, those that I have tried to raise up and train and love, be kind to, turn their back on me and stick me so bad. We always joke around at this church a lot of times that I don't have a fifth rib. It's pretty much gone. I've been stabbed so many times up in that fifth rib that there ain't nothing left of it. But God showed me things through that, though, that what all these people accused you of, they were wrong. What all these people did to you was wrong. But I have somewhat to say unto thee. Like Job's three friends, independent Baptist friends, right? Told him, well, Job, you're going through this because you're in sin. You're going through this because you didn't give enough money. You're going through this, Job, because you must have did something wicked. Job, you're just wicked. But then there was Elihu, right? There was the last man that told him what God actually said. And he's never rebuked by God. That's true. But you know something? God took that double-edged sword and he showed me. He said, you know what, though? But I have something against thee. I don't care what all these people accused you of. I know where you failed. And here's where you failed. And here's what I'm going to do so it doesn't happen to you again. Because what God showed me was some of the reasons I was betrayed and the things that happened is because I didn't handle it correctly. I didn't handle things correctly. I didn't use wisdom and I didn't depend on God. Right? So the Lord showed me that. Okay, back to this. Lots of foolishness that you have in the Bible but, says. But you haven't done it. Right. So that doesn't, now listen, it doesn't carry the same judgment as if you did it. Okay. But you're still guilty what, of the thoughts of it. Judgment. Well, no, no, no. I mean, consequences on earth are not the same. Okay? Like, if you think of killing somebody, God never said that to take your life if you think about killing somebody. Okay? And he, and he said before, it, it's the only thing he wouldn't forgive is, is blasphemy of the Holy person, Ghost. Uh, no, uh, uh, only life, it's his life to take. Now, you, I can't kill you, but it's his, your life. Right, the Bible says no murder hath eternal life dwelling in him. Right, so that would be, for doing it, yes, I'm talking about your guilt before God, not the fact that you've done it or not, okay? Understand what I mean, the difference there, okay? Man. Well, no, the Bible's rough. I'm just preaching the Bible to you. However, you know what? The Bible says that, that Jesus Christ came to forgive man of his sins. 
Okay, that's why he so came. So will he, will he forgive me if I'm going in and get a piece of bread and a salad dressing? Not if you're going in there just to, not if you're going in there to ask forgiveness before you do something when you know you're doing wrong. I'm not asking for forgiveness before right, I do Right, but you know you're going to go do something wrong and then you're going to yes, say, sir. God, forgive me. No, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness after I take it. Well, you, you can't I'm ask for it before. I'm just going to be glad that I got away with doing it. Well, I'm you not going in You ain't going to get away thing. doing it. You're going to get caught, that. man. Don't say but that. But you don't want to get caught doing that, do you? Because eventually you're going to get caught. I hope it's not today. Because I'm hungry, kid. I'm hungry. I understand you're hungry, okay? I, I get that. I, I get that. And I already told you. I'd rather go buy you some things before I would rather see you steal something, okay? I would no, rather I go buy you something. I don't want to take any. Because you have a family. And I do have a family. And take it from your family. I, I do have a family, but I... But but understand this. The point is the point is this, okay? That you're still guilty before God. I should have never stopped. I should have never. I should have just went. He said, "I should have never stopped to talk to you, man. Why? Because now he couldn't sin with a clear conscience. He's gonna go in and steal that." Did what I was gonna do. Well, you know what? I'm more concerned for your soul, okay? Your soul is in jeopardy of eternal damnation. If you were to die right now, you would go to hell. I was 39 then, man. Oh, you a rough man. You, no. a, you a rough man. You a rough man. <laughs> you a rough man. <laughs> you a rough man, Cooley. <laughs> I had a guy tell me that too. He said, he's no longer here. He said, you're a hard guy to be around when you're not right with God. He said, he said, I was a hard guy to be around when he wasn't walking with God, when he wasn't right with God. That's what he admitted to me. The Bible's rough. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. Yeah. The Bible says you're dead already in trespasses and sins. You've just admitted to me that you've done all these things, and you have no forgiveness for those things. I mean, yes, I, I who's going to forgive more, you? I, I right, but more. you can't forgive you. Okay, God has to forgive you. And there's only one way you can be forgiven, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can forgive your sins, and you must repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and want the Lord Jesus each and every right. But you know what? Asking is not the same thing as as turning to Christ and believing on the gospel of Jesus Christ and 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 confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and turning from sin. Well, God is listen. God gave you a witness today, sir. Yeah, I seen you right down the corner. I was sitting right there, and I heard you talking. So he heard me preaching before I was over there preaching on the pulpit. He heard me. And when I got off the pulpit is when he came over to talk to me. God gave you a witness today, okay? And this witness is that if you don't repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're, you, you, will, you will go to hell for all of eternity. What did I give him? I gave him the gospel. I gave him the truth. Like Brother Ross said, that's love. Greater, man, greater love hath no man than this. The man laid down his life for his friends. There's great. There's no greater love than to tell somebody the truth about the gospel, right? He got the truth, and you're not just going to go to hell because you stole that. You're going to go to hell for many other things that your sin, because the Bible says your sins have separated you from your God. It's sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. 
Okay, and you have violated God's righteous law. Okay, I want you to think very closely about all these things because God brought you here for. You a rough man, Cooley. And that he keeps saying you have no god this is god's law reason he brought you to this point for a reason my name is matthew paul okay matthew paul's his name man keep praying i don't know where this guy is i never saw him again i sure hope he got saved i sure hope i see him in heaven he could be dead i don't know he could be dead but i wish i i, I hope i see him someday Matthew you Paul, my mother did. And do the speaking. Oh man, you a rough kid. God Almighty. Yeah, it I'm is sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I talked to you. I really. Why? You got because the truth. Now, because you know now you 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 deterred me from going in there. He said. So he's saying that you know you you're gonna deter me from going in there. I can't stop him from going in there. What he's saying is I can't go in there now and feel okay about it. Because now I know I'm guilty. Right? That every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Well, I don't want you to go in there and steal anything. I'm hungry. I just told you. I'll, I'll buy I don't it for want you. To do. You have kids. You have That don't family. matter. I'll survive. Listen to me. I would rather buy that for you because I, I believe the Bible so much. Now, either way, you're still going to go to hell if you don't turn to Jesus Christ and be, and be born again by the Spirit of God. See, I, I wanted to get make it clear to him. Either way, whether I buy you food or you steal it, you're, you're still going to hell. You still need to be saved. You still need your sins forgiven. Amen. But I would rather buy you something to eat in there than see you go in there and steal and break more of God's righteous commands. All right? But you need to, you're, you're, the need of your hour is to be born again by the Spirit of God and have the Lord forgive your sins and change you and make you a new creature. Because the Bible says that you will be a new creature if Jesus Christ saves you and forgives your sins. That's the most important thing you can do. What made me stand up from there and come and... and, and I don't know. The Lord. That's why... Because He's, he says, what made me? He's trying to figure out, why did I come over and talk to you in the first place? Because, see, the law is a schoolmaster to bring men to Christ. He heard that gospel preaching, and he had to figure out, are these guys real? I believe God led him to do that. Because the man is sincere. And I, I, I believe this was a sincere interaction with this man. What made me stand up from there and come and... and, and I don't know. The Lord. That's why, because God is working. There's seeds being planted in your heart right now that God is dealing with you over your sin. And the, the, the reason he's that's dealing with you, you can see when you were sitting right there. Yeah. That's right, because God is dealing with you over your sin. Rough dude, man. The Bible's rough, man, but the mercy of Christ is there and it's real. But it's for those that repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have to repent to the Lord every day. You know, that's, that's the truth of the gospel. I beg you to, to understand that. I beg you to listen to that and, and think about that. You got other tracks there? Sir, I got, I got both of them. Did you get yeah. one? Yes, I Somewhere in there. Are you taking another one too and read it, okay? I want you to read all these. 
take this one too. It won't hurt you. Read all of them, okay? I want you to think strongly about it. Okay, I will. All right? Hey, Ben. He said, okay, I will. Praise the Lord, right? The, the man got the gospel. He got the truth. We stayed on it with him with the law, a schoolmaster to bring men to Christ. Right? And, and he got the truth. That's a blessing, isn't it? I think that was a great interaction with him. Great opportunity that seldom we get at times to really give somebody a good gospel presentation. Well, you look at the way Minneapolis was then. Boy, it ain't like that now, man. You something to eat in there. It ain't that calm now. But again, this was eight years ago. A lot of people uh, kind of commented on this. and Like this person said, would be nice to see a focus of God's love for this man. Love conquers all, not by living in fear of condemnation. We run to God because of his love, not because we run from hell. Turning towards love is more compelling than turning from what we fear. I said very plainly, he needed to know he was guilty before God. We must know we are lost before we can be saved. Right? This is... This is this is how we try to have discussions with people, if possible. They don't always end up in bad situations, right? Some of them are really good. Here's another one, okay? There is a, this is outside of the Gay Pride event, LGBTQ event, nine years ago. This young lady asked me a question. She asked me, why are you here? Why are you preaching here? And I know her shoulders are exposed, but that's about it. You can't see anything else. But she asked the question, you know, why are you here? Why are you doing what you're doing? And it was a good question. So let's see what let's let's see how this conversation. There's a book in heaven. It is titled yeah. Why did we why did we choose to come here? Because there's an event here and a lot of people. Yeah. Just like we went down to the we down to what's that? So you're trying to like promote what you believe in. Sure. We're trying to warn people. Well, see, so she asked me a question. She said, she asked me, what, why are you here? Are you just here because these people are all, you know, queers and you're trying to, you know, win them, stuff like that? You know, you're, or you're trying to preach against their sin? And I told them very plainly, we're consistent. We go anywhere there's a crowd. If you get a crowd of people, we want to be there. Because we want to preach to the masses. By the way, you pray for us. Brother Jacob and I, next year, I can't do it this year. I've got too much going on this year. Too many projects, too many irons in the fire. But next year, Brother Jacob and I are going to work on a documentary together. And uh, 
and and it's going to be on the history of open air preaching. And we're going to produce a documentary on the history of open air preaching. I'm going to do some other things with open air preaching with Pastor Jeffrey and the First Amendment issues. But uh, but we're going to do a, a and also some I want to teach. On. Public evangelism also through documentary format. I want to do one with Brother Ryan on tracks where we deal with tracks and tracting ministry in public. And also another one, uh, you know, dealing with Pastor Jeffrey and the First Amendment issue of preaching and all those, and also some instructional videos on preaching in the open air. Okay, so there's a lot of things we want to do. But next year, Brother Jacob and I, we were talking on the way home from the street preaching event, and I was like, you know, we ought to do something next year about that and the history of open-air preaching and put it in a documentary and put it online, and I think it's going to be awesome. There has never been revival anywhere in the world that open-air preaching was not a part of, ever. That it did not come first, that open-air preaching was not part of that and did not precede that, didn't come before that, and then... And that it never. So we have a lot of projects. I want you to understand, I am going to be working as hard as I can, as focused as I can, year after year, as faithfully as I can. In this church, Old Pass Baptist Church, we are going to be doing what we can to get things out there, to encourage churches, to get them out there preaching the truth. We're going to do our best. By God's grace, you pray for us. You help us. Support us through prayers. If you don't have a church you're given to, support us through giving. I'm not doing it. Oh, I'm getting rich. I am not getting anything but bills. Um, <laughs> no, I'm getting the grace of God and the blessing of God, uh, the, the, the fruit of the blessings of all that. I'm not complaining, okay? I'm, I'm just saying. Preachers that preach what we do don't get rich. They, they, don't, they don't get but we have to we have to pay for things. It's just the way it goes. I mean, nobody's gonna give it to us for free, right? So anyway, but so we have a lot of projects. So what I'm saying is, if you don't have a church, get on board and start supporting until you find it a local New Testament church. And the Guinea agrees, by the way. You heard it from the Guinea. All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. People preach the gospel to them and warn them. Okay. I just feel like, can I just get my opinion really quick? Sure, I feel like absolutely. I can understand like, why you believe what you do and everything. So she she wants to get an understanding. She wants to have a conversation. She's like, can I talk to you? Can can you like explain to me some things? Sure. Absolutely. Would love to. But I also think that that's hateful to like be promoting like unacceptance. Well, what's unacceptance about it? I mean, I mean, what's what's hateful about it? I mean, I mean, you're saying like the LGBTQ. For pride! I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Go say that again. You're saying the LGBTQ community is hating God. Well, yeah, everybody that's a sinner is hating God. Right. So what did I take it back to? She said, "So you're saying the LGBT community is is hating God?" Uh, and I said. Sure. Right? And and what did I take it back to? Uh, let's see. Let me find the verse I'm looking for. 
Uh, let's well first let's look at Ephesians uh two sixteen. Let's go to the Bible here. Ephesians two sixteen. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity. What is enmity? The quality of being an enemy, the opposite of friendship, ill will, hatred, unfriendly dispositions, male violence. Man is at enmity with God. Whosoever is the friend of the world is the enemy of God. So what did I take it back to? Not the, I didn't take it back to, maybe I should talk a little softer. I didn't take it back to the um, the sodomite LGBTQ people. I took it back to all mankind because the problem is all men are fallen in nature. All men are broken and in need of a savior. So I, I said, yeah, all men, all lost men are enemies of God. Because the carnal mind in Romans 8, 7, what does it say? This is Gospel 101. Are you paying attention? What am I doing? I'm diffusing her argument. What's her argument? You're only here because we're a bunch of queers. You're only here because we're all sodomites. You're only here because we're lesbians. No, I'm here because you're sinners. And that all men are sinners. And there's a crowd here. So what did I diffuse there? I didn't take the load off a sinner. Like, here's what some people do. So you've told a lie, right? Okay, you're a liar. I'm a liar. You're a liar. Everybody's a liar. Hey, everybody's a liar. I'm a liar. You're a liar. Everybody's a liar. And make and 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 like dumb down sin or excuse me, not dumb it down. Uh, lessen the sharpness of the law. Brother Jacob said this the other day. Uh, him and I were talking about this when we were driving down the road. Uh, he said these preachers, these modern day preachers, they want to take the scandal out of the gospel, right? They, they want to take it out. They, they want to take out the, uh, the power of the gospel. That man is a wicked, scandalous, evil sinner against God. Right? They want to take that away. They want to take the scandal of the cross out. Like Ben Shapiro said. Perfect example. I'll show you. I'll show you the absolute height of sinful arrogance before God. Here it is right here. Okay. Move this over here. Okay. Well, what I'm going to argue is that 
what you just said is fundamentally unchristian in the sense that you're saying that everyone is supposed to imitate Jesus and the basic conceit of, from what I understand, uh, speaking with Christian theologians, is that we are fundamentally incapable of taking on our own sin. And so we have to have somebody who comes in the form of Christ on earth in order to accept that suffering for us. And that that is the purpose of God actually embodying himself in Christ is to provide human beings the capacity to withdraw from original sin, that we don't actually have the capacity hmm. beyond a certain point to overcome. And that's why Jesus as a singular figure is necessary. I actually agree from a Judaic point of view with everything that you say, because for me, it's about accepting responsibility for my own sins on myself. And I don't have the ability to say that there is the, the suffering servant, the suffering lamb of God, who sacrificed himself to relieve me of my sins mm -hmm. and therefore give me a fair shot at life. Yeah, well, uh, okay, so okay, that's a, that's a really good objection, I think. And no, that's not a really good objection. That's absolutely ridiculous is what it is. What he's preaching there is the same thing that the Jews said when they slaughtered Jesus. What did they say? His death be upon us and our children forever. His blood be upon us and our children forever. Why? They're at enmity with God. Fallen man is at enmity with God because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? That's fallen man. So all men are in need of the Savior. Okay, let's get back to this. We may not get past this video today. That's okay. I'll save it. Maybe I'm, I th I'm thinking about doing a series with this. And what I mean by that is maybe once a week, once a broadcast week, or once every couple weeks, I take a broadcast to teach on evangelism. Everyone is there? Absolutely, and we preach to everyone. Okay. I mean, we go like we go down like like there's a Comic Con event downtown, and we go down there when the Minneapolis Convention Center is full. We preach there. Last week we were preaching at a fair, so we don't we don't like travel around to to. Uh, LGBT events and just preach specifically to them or anything like that. We preach to everywhere where there's a crowd. Yeah. If you find if you found if there was a crowd outside of that big Catholic church over there, I'd preach out there. You know what I mean? So we don't we don't just choose a specific events. You know what I mean? To to just I mean we don't just travel. There's some guys that'll travel around at certain events and do that. We don't do that. Okay. We preach everywhere. Um, I I don't believe you're any worse or not you, but anyone here is any worse of a sinner than what I am or what anybody else was until they've been forgiven of their sins. Um, so I I don't think that there's like one sin that's Greater than right, so you see, there's no righteousness in us, and that's what I was explaining to her. There's no righteousness in us. We're all guilty before God in our flesh. It's only the saving power of Christ that changes a man and makes him a new creature. Then, you know, from that standpoint, greater than anybody else's. If you're a drunk, a fornicator, a liar, a cheater, a thief, all those sins are going to put you in hell. And Jesus Christ has to, the only way of forgiveness of sins is through Jesus Christ. So you, in your mind, you think like homosexuality is a sin? No, well, God says it is, yeah. Well, well, here it is, okay? She asked me. 
So you just believe, or so you believe in your mind that homosexuality is a sin. No, stop. We always must take it back to the word of God. It doesn't matter what I believe about that as far as that goes, as far as what the truth is. I mean, it does for my never-dying soul. I must believe God. But what, what she fails to understand is she's trying to make it my opinion. Faith is not my opinion. Faith is a gift of God. Faith is not my opinion. Repentance is not my opinion. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ are heavenly. It's not, well, what do you think? doesn't matter what I think. It's not my opinion versus your opinion. It's absolute truth. And we live in an age of relativity where no one wants to believe in absolute truth. They don't want to. Okay. God says it's a sin, yeah. Right. Yeah, God hates all sin. You know, so all sin is judged. It's not just, you know, it's not just uh, homosexuality or or, uh, or lesbianism or anything like that. It's, yeah, or murder, it's all. I mean, a liar. Exactly. And found guilty or, or found guilty or innocent. And the only way we're found innocent is in Christ because he's the only one that kept it. So, you know, I'm not, I don't think there's, I don't just preach against one sin. In fact, you know, a lot of times we won't even talk about that. You know, it'll come up because people bring it up to us when we when they come forward. You know, but if we preach anywhere, they'll bring it up to us. We may not even say a word about it. What do you hope is like gain from being here? To tell people the truth that they need to repent of their sins and trust Christ. And so, he- so she said her her question was, well, "What do you hope to gain by all this? Like, what do, what is your purpose? Like, what do, what do you hope to gain by?" It? preach the gospel to these people so they can they know that the truth you can change their life and make them a new creature just like i would tell the drunkard that was outside of the bar that is ruining his life that he needs to repent and believe the gospel okay see what i mean yes i see where you're coming okay yeah so i was just curious okay no thank you well i mean accepting i mean i don't hate anybody okay i don't right here's what they get they well you should true love means i accept everybody for what they are no that's not love Jesus is the one that defines love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. God doesn't accept everyone. You understand that, right? Here's what you have to explain to sinners on the street. God doesn't accept everyone. There are people that reject God and then God rejects them. There are people that are rejected. We are ambassadors for Christ. We go out and we preach the terms of reconciliation. Do you understand that? Okay. Let's see. Let me find the right verse I'm looking for. I think it might be second. Corinthians 5, 8. 
let's see. Okay, it says, in all things that are of God, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us, to us, the ministry of reconciliation. Fabian, we charge double if you take off early. God hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? Never forget, preacher, when you're on the street, never forget. You are a minister of reconciliation. The act of reconciling parties at variance. Renewal of friendship after disagreement or enmity. In scripture, the means by which sinners are reconciled and brought into a state of favor with God after natural estrangement or enmity. The atonement brings them in. The terms of reconciliation are repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. When a military goes into a place when people have rebelled against their king or rebelled against their country, the military goes in there. And if the king's desire is reconciliation, the king's the king says, these are the terms of reconciliation. You must lay down your arms. You must lay down your arms. Lay down your opposition. Put your hands up. Empty in my hand, no price I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Empty hands. Lay down your weapons of warfare, your rebellion against God. That's what we preach to sinners. We tell them, lay down your rebellion against God. Repent, or the king will not forgive you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, that's the lordship of Christ. I must make him Lord. No, he is Lord. You ain't making him nothing. He is. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the King of Righteousness and the King of Peace. But he is first the King of Righteousness, and then he is the King of Peace. Go listen to that, or go find that sermon that Spurgeon preached on that, the King of Righteousness, then the King of Peace. That's a good sermon. Um, but he is the King of Righteousness, and then he is the King of Peace. The Atonement is what makes peace with God, is what made peace with God. It is the atonement. And it's upon those terms of reconciliation. Pent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
and we are ministers of reconciliation. We preach to them, you have broken God's law. You have rebelled against your king. You have rebelled against your Lord. You have taken up arms against your Lord. You are at enmity with your Lord. You are the enemy of your Lord. You are an enemy combatant. You are an insurrectionist against your Lord. You have taken up arms and you have fought with your God. You have fought against his righteousness. Now submit yourself to God. Repent. Lay down your arms against God. Repent and believe the gospel and be supernaturally saved by the spirit of almighty God. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. So then you don't have that discussion with people, right? You don't have that discussion with people, right? Where they come up to you and say, well, well, what do I have to repent of? Whatever God tells you to, that's what. Well, can I do this and do that and still do this? Man, I'm going to tell you what. The day God Almighty showed me through the preaching of God's word that I was going to hell, that I was a lost sinner, I wasn't doing no negotiating with God. Well, I'll keep this. I'll get rid of this. Keep it there. Get one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number five, number six. I, they ain't no auctioner. You, 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 ain't, you ain't negotiating with God. You're being like, well, maybe I'll do this and maybe that. Man, you ain't doing no negotiating with God. You are in the dust, brother. Because you got a glimpse of the holiness of Almighty God. And the law penetrated your heart and showed you that you are guilty and dead in sins. You ain't trying to negotiate for any sin. You're saying, Lord, save me. I perish. Oh, God, forgive me. Amen. Ain't none of this other, ain't none of this other uh, negotiate with God stuff. It ain't <laughs> that stuff. That stuff's fundy stuff. This one, two, three, repeat after me stuff, right? This one, two, three, repeat after me, right? This, this, uh, oh, okay, uh, I'm going to go on and live the same way I did before. You can't, brother. You can't live the same way you did before. Once you get saved by grace, you can't live the same way. Are there some things that you're going to shed? Yeah. You're going to grow in sanctification. There's things that I did when I was first saved. I am scared to death to do now. So what? You're, you're only afraid of God? Not like you think. Not like, not like an earthly ruler is afraid of somebody. No. It's, it's in fear of the awesome holiness of God as my father that looks down on me, as my father that is well able to whoop my hide, that is well able to chasten me. It is the healthy fear of a father or a son towards his father. It is not a fear like God's going to throw me into hell. I'm his child. He ain't going to throw me into hell, but he will give me the whooping of my life. See, God don't lose no children. 
these Joker Pelagians, these Joker people out there preaching that, oh, well, you can lose your salvation. These Joker Armenians preaching, you can lose your salvation. <laughs> okay there, hillbilly. <laughs> Where you get that from the Bible there, big boy? They don't get it from the Bible. They get it from their vain imagination. Well, if you walk away from God, you can't walk away from God when you're his child. Yeah, you may be a prodigal and get into sin. You ain't going nowhere. Because even if I look at the parable of the prodigal son, if I look at it from a lost person, or if I look at it from a person that's re, that's uh, uh, that was backslidden and came home, either way, it's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. And if you think God can't deal with his own children, well... Uh, God ain't like your father that didn't that didn't instruct you that gave up on you. God's not like that. I hate their stupid false garbage and their nonsense. Really, because the God that I have, the God from that Bible, that King James Bible, he's well able to make sure I obey him. Well able to. God don't have no bastards. He don't have no little bastards running around acting like little bastards. You get out of line with God, you'll find out real quick who your daddy is. I'm going to tell you that right now. I know that from experience. You get out of line with God, God will remind you who your father is. Totally ignore the sonship of a believer. Like, well, my son won't obey me, so I can't. God's not like you. He's not like at a loss. I'm at a loss. God's not sitting up in heaven. Well, looking at the Holy Spirit, like, well, I'm at a loss for words. I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do with my child. They just don't listen to me. That, Like, you're an idiot if you believe that's God. You really, I, and I question whether you're even saved, to be honest with you. Because God Almighty is well able to correct you. He ain't like you. Oh, when God tells you to do something, he ain't like you. Like, oh, you tell your kid like three or four times, then you don't do anything about it. And you let him, you let him do wrong. So you teach him that that's okay to do wrong. Yeah, well, God don't do that. Uh-uh. God doesn't parent like that. You can never separate the eternal life, the sonship that we have in Christ with chastisement. You want to know why there's all these little damnable heretics running around telling you you can lose your salvation, telling you, telling you all this stuff and saying all that stuff? You want to know why they're out there and doing that? Why they do that? Because they separate eternal life and they separate that from the doctrine of eternal life with the doctrine of chastisement. And that's why they produce a bunch of little monsters. You want to know the most rotten people i ever seen? They're wicked as hell. Pentecostal holiness people. They're some of the most wickedest, vilest people you'll ever run into. Why? Because they're working their way to heaven. God says, I, God don't correct that way. Chapter 12. 
Let me show you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you, as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Despise not, faint not. Two things that can happen to children of God. They either despise it or they can fall into that. They're warned against despising God's correction. You know what that means? That means when God is chasing you, you go ahead and sit down in a boo-hoo little party and you don't do what God wants you to do because you think very, or you think very little. Oh, God's not really chastising me. That must not be God doing that. Right? Despise not thou, the, nor faint. The other side is to faint and give up. And faint under God's chastening when you're rebuked of him. When God is instructing you and teaching you. I know, I don't know how I got off on this, but I'm on it and I'm going to stick on it and we'll end the broadcast with it. It'll be just fine, right? By the way, you want to know the greatest sign of eternal security? One of the greatest signs of eternal security? I mean, the, the greatest evidence of it? This right here. This right here. It's not, oh, I, I never do anything wrong. I never have to repent. I never, no. It's that it's direction, not perfection in the flesh. It's the direction that I walk with God. It's seeing that direction is very clear. But also, you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Does God rebuke you? Oh, man, he sure does me. Oh, man. Oh. Mm -mm -mm. Absolutely. The Bible says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Amen. That's a good quote. Charles Spurgeon said, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Amen. That's kissing the hand that smites you. God will teach you to do that. God will teach you to kiss the hand that smites you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bible says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He corrects. The Old Testament talks about whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Same thing as chastening. Correction and chastening. Same thing. Has God ever taken his word or used the preached word to correct you? Amen. 
For whom the Lord loveth, he, he chasteth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Look at this. Let's look at that. That word scourge, to whip a lash consisting of a strap or a cord. Small scourge of cords, a punishment. To whip severely, to lash, to punish with severity, to chastise, to afflict for sins or faults with the purpose of correction. Look at that. He whoops us because he loves us. That's why he whips us because he loves us. Amen, brother, brother Jeffrey. We'll talk soon. God bless you, brother. I appreciate you. Oh, no, this is evangelism. It's fine. Evangelism encounters. It's fine. We'll just keep it the same. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Man, I've been in the fire. I've been there. I've been under the heavy chastening of the Lord. And out of it all, what did God show me? That he loved me. That he would not let me be in error. He would not let sin take me. He would not let men take me. He would not let money take me. He would not let pride take me. But he would correct me in measure. If you endure chasing, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteth not? But if you be without chastisement, we're of all our partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. God doesn't raise bastards. He raises sons and daughters. These people running around losing their salvation because they're a bunch of bastards. They're a bunch of bastards. They're not Christians. They're bastards. They are. They're little bastards. Little Pelagian bastards is what they are. Little work salvation bastards. That's what they are. That's, and you rough man. You rough man. That's right. He that spareth this rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chaseth him betimes. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chasting for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. 
Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know what it yields? The peaceable fruit of righteousness. I've seen it in my own life. Man, there's things that God allowed and chastened me for, and he made me hate things. He chastened me and he made me hate it and it yielded the peaceful fruit of righteousness. He made me hate sin. He made me just, he made, and and particular sins. He made me hate them. The thought of it or giving into it or any of those things, he made me hate it. Am I gone? I, I, it says 81 people are on here. Let me see. It says 81 watching on Rumble. There's nothing's gone here. It says 80 watching right now. Must be, might be a portion of Rumble. I'm not sure what happened. Let's see. I'm still going on Sermon Audio, Carl says. Let's see. Yeah, it says 32 people are on Sermon Audio, 16 peak. Says I'm still on. Uh, refresh it. It says I'm still on there. It says six, 76 are still on here with me. Huh. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Anyway, let me finish this video real quick. There's only about a minute left in it, and then we're about done anyway. So we'll see what happens. I don't hate uh, anyone who is stuck in sin. In fact, I'm here because I love them. I'm here because of the truth. You know, the hardest thing, if you ever, listen, I've dealt with people. I, I used to be a drug addict, okay? I, I was a drug addict, a fornicator, everything you can imagine, okay? But until someone came and told me the truth. Until you realized you're sick. Exactly. And, 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 exactly. And somebody had to tell me, you know what? You're wrong in what you're doing. And God's not happy with that. And God has a righteous law. But if nobody ever told me, all right, then how is that? How are you loving me if you never tell me the truth? You got to tell me the truth. So that's why we're here is to tell them the truth. And the truth doesn't always feel pleasant. And here's the gospel of John. Kind of tell you. Okay, you have a Bible at home? It's the word of God. Yes, I do, but I'm not. That's why you But I don't interfere. No, no, go ahead. It's fine. Until we as human beings realize that we are sinners and we are a sinner in the face of God and that we need saving from Him. Okay, so that's the end of that interaction, but I tried to answer questions. Next time we come on, we'll do this video. We will cover this, not this one. This one is a 16-minute video. It'll take a while. 
But we'll cover that video next time. Uh, I'll mark that we covered, uh, you know, uh, Preachers, is God okay with me stealing? I'm hungry. And the lady that asked why we're at the Gay Pride event. And, uh, but uh, we'll cover the other ones here next time. And, uh, but I, I hope you got something out of it. I hope it was a blessing to you. And um, you explained, it. it says I have 63 watching, so I'm not sure, but it does look like it froze up on Rumble. Okay. Are you all uh, still there? You, you're watching this video. Uh, that man, uh, his wife tragically died a few, about a year or two ago. About two years ago, she died. And he's, a, he's just a witness. Uh, he's an evangelist. I believe he's a saved man. Uh, but he goes around and he tries to uh, witness to lost people. I don't know. It, yeah, it keeps looping. Rumble keeps looping for some reason. So I, I don't know what's going on with that. But we had a good crowd on there. We had 80 people on Rumble today. 80 people on Rumble and 36 people over on Sermon Audio. So good crowd today on here. Let me play a song and we'll say goodbye. And uh, then we'll be on our way here. I show you a mystery One trumpet's mighty blast will pierce through the sky The grave shall let me swallowed up in victory King Jesus will prevail and death shall die I shall see the King in His beauty Shining forth
amen and amen. All right, everybody. God bless you. And uh, we'll be back on Friday with our 2023 annual. It's going to be an annual event. Our 2023 Christmas bash. That's right. Don't miss it. 2023 Christmas bash. And uh, it'll be good. It'll be a blessing. So don't want to miss that. That'll be 2 p.m. Central Time Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time. Don't miss that. You're going to enjoy that, that Christmas bash. It'll be, it'll be a bash. It'll be smashing. Smashing. Okay, anyway. All right, everybody. God bless you. You know how to get a hold of us. And uh, we will see you later on down the road here uh, at 7.45 p.m. Central Time tonight. That's three hours and 45 minutes from now. If you'd like to watch our sermon, our Wednesday night sermon, I'll be preaching back in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Okay. So uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 13. And uh, we'll be back preaching on that here tonight. So catch that on Rumble or on SermonAudio.com slash Pastor Cooley. And uh, everybody, God bless you. Take care. And uh, we'll see you soon here.